Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. All right. The man who stirs the straw of the drink. I don't know. I don't even care anymore. Listen, I, it's, it's copyrighted by Reggie Jackson, so I feel like I saved myself some money. Steve Peralt, Bleacher Report, Section 10 Podcast, and the person who is going to single-handedly bring back baseball. To- that's the goal. Bradford, yeah. that's the goal. And, and first off, I'm honored uh, being a, I think, a two-time guest on the Bradford show. I, I don't think Does many on make the it air count? I mean, that doesn't count. This is like, so you've yeah, been, been on the podcast, but we've had sort of like a um, the old man's version of the podcast, which is actually coming in the studio and being on the radio. Yeah, doing the studio and being on radio. We're, get, we're all old-fashioned by doing that. But being on here, it's it's... I consider that more my in my wheelhouse in the in the podcast world. So two timer, I'm honored. Um, I would love to go down the list of, of two timers, but hopefully it's not too long. You're only four away from entering the Hall of Fame. We we are getting very very loose with our Hall of Fame inductees. Um, we have inducted two more in the last week. <laughs> Who's in the Hall of Fame? Who's the highlight of the Hall of Fame? All right. Well, so there's five now. Five. And if you can guess three, I will give you a T-shirt. If you can guess four, oh, I give you a T-shirt. So what? Can I get qualifications of what makes you a Hall of Famer? Or is it just okay? Yes, you may. You you cannot be a current member of the Red Sox organization. You okay. cannot, uh, or you have to have been available uh, quite a bit to be on the podcast. That's a huge, huge piece of the puzzle. And you have to be good. You have to be friendly and good and entertaining. Joe Kelly is very clearly in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> that is the easiest selection he has, ever. He has his own wing. <laughs> he has his own wing. Uh, Joe Kelly, uh, let's see. I was going to say Pedroia, but I guess that's up in the air if he's actually still on the no, team. No, still on the team. Yeah, technically speaking. Um, Joe Kelly, let's see. Who else would be on there? Um, I'm drawing a lot of blanks. I don't know. What, why did Drellick come to mind? He wouldn't be. No, he would. He sadly enough, Drellick was like probably. He's probably the second most common guest we've even had in the history of Section Ten. But um, he doesn't. T- he doesn't talk to anyone. I think he's been in a bunker ever since that report. Uh, yeah. Well, he he talks to Mutt. He talks. That was his safe place. The the Mike yeah. Minansky show. But so you can't get any. Nobody else, huh? It's okay. Well, I I'm just I, all these all these current air. current players are are coming up. So if that's if that's oh. part of the criteria, then um, uh, no, it doesn't have to be a current player. No, I'm saying if it can't be a current player, like if oh it no, can't, it can't be, be someone, a current current Red Sox player. Yes, can't those are the guys that are coming up. That's the issue. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. So yeah, what do you got? Joe Kelly. You have Travis Shaw. Um, you have um, David Ross obviously manager of the Cubs um, and then recently inducted th- those three like stood there in there by themselves for a long time. But recently uh, Daniel Bard was inducted. Oh, okay. And who was, right. who was outstanding. I mean, he was outstanding the other day on that podcast. And, and um, he, uh, he actually is funny because a story come up and Pat, Pat light, you know, a friend of our, yeah. Of, of us all he um he told a story which i didn't realize had been told on the section 10 podcast 
which was about throwing an, a golf ball and al- alligator, Daniel Bard, right? Do you remember yeah. the story? Here's the deal. I think he gave you that. He didn't give us that. Yeah, that was oh, a Bradford really? Show exclusive. I think that was an exclusive, yeah. Oh, okay. So the reason I say that is because when Bard came on, I said, Pat Light told this story, and he said, yeah, he said that on some other podcast. So immediately I think, well, you know, yeah, like Section 10 is the only podcast people, baseball podcast people actually listen to from Stem exactly. Stern. So mm. it's like, I'm like, oh, well, that must have been the case. And then he's like, but Bard said it wasn't true. And then so I asked Pat about it and he admitted, um, he said that, or Bard said, you know, it might be true, but I've been drinking a lot. And then Pat clarified they had about a 32 pack of Yingling in the golf cart. <laughs> And so I said, I, I would believe it happened because the guy who drank 16 Yingling, uh, he loses benefit of the doubt. So anyway. Yeah, the, it's still a good story, though. It's, it's a, good, a story. good story. Yeah, he, like, he had the yips and he threw a golf ball 40 feet and hit the alligator in the head. So yeah. um, and then Daniel Bard and then just, why am I drawing a blank now? Uh, who was just on? Who was just on? Oh, not, um, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to edit this. <laughs> let's see so we had uh who was on who was oh you had, you had gibbons oh no who was on yesterday brian johnson oh bj of course brian johnson he i made him wait it out until he finished the episode though he was right on the fence mm. so he needed to turn in one more quality appearance so i do like i do like the earning the hall of fame spot this isn't like the basketball hall of fame where if you just kind of existed for a while you're in there you have to earn a brad show hall of fame spot i respect yeah. that yeah and there's been some shock that rick porcello hasn't been in it yet um i think if he he commits to one more that might put him over the top mm. um and then you know like and then there's some you know alex cora is on the on, i mean he you will have to see what happens there um because once again you know he was on the edge he would come on like this Call out, hey, you want to talk for, for an hour and a half? Sure. He becomes manager. It's a different story. So, um, you know. So, anyway, uh, thank you. This is kind of quasi-transition, but has Mookie Betts been on here? He has. But, okay. And here's the thing. I think that Bard asked about Betts being in the Hall of Fame. And I said, so what Mookie would do is that he would come on, like, every year in June like every year because you know he would commit to like about 28 minutes it always come out to 28 minutes <laughs> and it was always excellent so that was appreciative and it was i mean he's on the on the borderline but as i told bard he was disqualified when i found out that he gave his t-shirt to the translator so out that is uh, that, that is tough granted if i'm looking at bradfo uh, videos that you'll post or things that have popped up on my timeline that I will then tweet from the Section 10 account, show a little love. The one that I think I like the most, even though Mookie is now, let's be real, Mookie's never always been the most bubbly uh, of individuals. He really just kind of talks. But I loved the necklace thing, the, oh, the yeah. necklace story. That is, I feel like that that's a really cool story that should have already been national. I feel like during the NBA Finals, we had to hear five million times that Duncan Robinson is a D3 player. But the real cool thing would have been more of a story uh, during this World Series about that necklace. It's so, like, I love that. so the necklace story is 2018 in spring training. Um, Griffin Cantrell, 12-year-old, basically makes these pla- a plastic ball and bat. He gives it to Mookie. Mookie wears it. 
And long story short, he's been wearing it for the last three years. And um, it's interesting because, you know, he didn't know, like, like as you saw in the video, like he didn't know who it was, who gave it to him. He just knew some kid gave it to him in spring training. But his, the Cantrells knew Mookie's cousin, and then they get in touch with Mookie's mom. And then I was looking for it because Nesson made mention of it on the broadcast. And then, boom, you know, it's, you know, rewrite the story. It's a nice little story. But as a purveyor of the internet, this is something you would understand. So I rehashed the Mookie uh, necklace story yesterday, right before the World Series. And why did I do this? Because when he starts running around and jumping around on national television, the necklace is flying around. And you know what people do? They Google Mookie Betts necklace. Boom. Boom sauce. There, there it go. is. A there boom sauce. That's yeah, what it's all about. Go. Also, it's a nice little tidbit. People love their tidbits, especially when they're at home during a pandemic. A nice little tidbit while everyone's watching the World Series. I actually know what that necklace is about, guys. I have the story. Well, what's so bizarre is it to me is that he's wearing this necklace and it's held on by, I don't know what it is. It is the thinnest, whatever right. it is. It's a yeah. plastic ball and bat held on by like a shoelace. And he's kept it on for three years. Like, that's insane to me. So, anyway, anyway. So, but excellent transition because mm. what the topic today is going to be, because you are the man who's going to save baseball, is the you have a five-point plan of how we can save baseball. How, how basically we can get, everyone talks about, oh, the demographic is 80-year-olds. Oh, the ratings and this and that and, and baseball's going the other way. You know, locally, the Nesson ratings, blah, blah, blah. But I believe I can look into your eyes. I can, I can hear your voice. And I know that you firmly believe as a passionate baseball fan that you can turn the tide, that you can make this where everyone understands that baseball isn't a dying breed, that you don't have to make it go from 90 feet to 45 feet, that you don't have to lower the mound to Essex Memorial field level, you know, that you don't have to do all of that, that you don't have to liven up the baseball, or maybe you do, maybe this is part of your five-point plan. And locally, you know, that life goes on after Mookie Betts. Like, this is, oh my goodness, Mookie Betts is gone. There's a press, I'm, I'm simulating the Red Sox press conference in February. Hmm. Mookie Betts is gone. Um, nothing to see. Oh, and by the way, college ticket packages, uh, $8 a piece. Um, just because we're panicking that Mookie Betts is gone, and he was our he was our last life raft to viability in baseball in Boston. We didn't believe that. You don't believe that. Give me Steve Peral your five point plan. All right, we're going to break it down right now. This is the five point plan to make the Red Sox relevant again. Yes. To make them relevant, we're just going to go bullets right here. Number one, stop being a poor franchise. Enough. Enough. I, it, one year of it. I don't like it. No mas. Number two, sign Trevor Bauer. I can't believe I'm saying that because I think he desires attention on the internet more than anyone I've ever seen in my entire life, but he's also very good. Number three, bring back John Lester. If you want to get the people that love, you know, the old times, that love the good days, John Lester represents now the good days. Now you're where I itch. Yep. I, John Lester reminds you of the good days. He reminds me of the good days. Bring them back. Number four, bring the Coke bottles back. Again, we're going wait. We're going to all the nostalgia here. That's what I'm all about. I love the Coke bottles. Everybody loved the Coke bottles. It was one of the best parts of Fenway Park. Bring that back. And number five, stick to a plan. 
instead of giving us some new, you know, oh, we're going to do the luxury tax this year. Oh, we're going to focus on this position, that position. Just stick to a plan. If you say that you're going to go under the luxury tax, which you have done, finally now build up the farm system, build up the team, and try to compete at the same time. Do it if you say you're going to do it. There you go. Okay. Let's break it down one by one. Here we go. And I like it. I like four of the five of those. Excellent okay. job. Uh, number one, number one, your number one uh, point in plan was to spend money, correct? Stop being a poor franchise. Yes. Stop being a poor franchise. Please elaborate. And, uh, and, and, you know, how do you sense if you have a team, they have an organization, which, you know, even though they went below the luxury tax and traded Mookie Betts and everything else, they still will probably end up over $200 billion. They still probably end up as one of the top three or four payrolls. Tell me what you're thinking. If you're going to, first off, I mean, if we're going to, <laughs> this has been tough watching Mookie Betts. This has been very difficult watching. I'm trying to like cope with it by just throwing out different hypotheticals. Like last night I'm tweeting out uh, the whole like, what if Mookie didn't want to be here, which is a whole nother like realistic discussion that I think doesn't get brought up enough. I'm too much. Do you of, like, believe I'm, he didn't want to be here? Did you, do you, what's, what's part your... of me believes that, but not if at my gut says no. If, if this doesn't, if he doesn't get lowballed, you know, quote unquote, even though certain people are now saying that he got the same offer, just stop. He, the Red the Sox did not give him this. As the Dodgers, I'm just saying a certain uh, local oh. media personality said okay. that today, and that's some BS. But if you're gonna, if you're gonna tell me that Mookie Betts didn't want to be here. I, I'm more willing to listen to it now uh, than I was earlier on. Early on, it's very easy to take shots at the ownership. But I just want somebody, and you know Mookie's not going to answer, but I really want somebody just to get the answer out of, out of him if he was actually going to re-sign here. Um, and it would be, you know, for our sanity, it would be better to hear that answer sooner rather than later. But when I say I don't want them to be a poor franchise, this team has spent more money uh, basically than anybody, I, what, next to the Dodgers over the last, like, 10, 15, 20 years. So yeah, with, I'm more with, just you know, with a flurry of last-place finishes. Yeah, no, no, it's true. It's true, and it feels like we're going, like, every other year here. But I, I just want this to be – this team to be in a position to actually add pieces instead of just focus on the farm system. If you're going to do the whole below-the-luxury-tax thing, you did that. Now bring guys in so you can actually compete. This is one of the biggest disagreements I had with people that listen to our show that say, oh, blow it up. The, the socks are terrible. Get rid of it. Trade Xander. Trade Devers. They're very clearly still trying to compete. It, why, I hate the blow it up thing. Everyone always just goes like, oh, just blow it up. That's not – it very rarely do teams fully well, how, just how blow do you, it up. How, I mean, it's not even a, a realistic thing. I mean, it's, It makes how, no sense. No, well, how – Here's the question you would ask to those fine people. It's like, Eesh. all right, tell me, you tell me, you tell me, what does blowing it up mean? Give me the first three steps of blowing it up. Like, and they would say, trade Chris Sale. Well, he's Tommy John surgery. Well, trade Xander Bogus. Well, he's on actually a better contract than you could get. For and he's the face of the team. He's a face of Boston sports, I said, for three years. Oh, that's right. We had that discussion. That's that right. right. Yeah, that was, that was a terrible <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I got three days of discussion. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you, what you say? What would you say? I mean, tra oh, trade Christian Vasquez. Is that blowing it up? Trade? I don't know. Like trade? Like, you are you, you already basically did the biggest move that would suggest that you'd be blowing it up in trading Mookie Betts, but you're still sitting there with a payroll of almost two hundred million dollars. 
and you oh. still had one of the best. But here's the th- like, I feel like we look at last year and we're like, oh, it's one of the worst teams in Red Sox history. Yes, it was. They had the most hits of any team in the American League. They, they oh. still have a legitimate what are you, offense. What are you, Dan Cat? No, like, I'm, I, 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 I'm just saying. <laughs> I know that, that we, finished, we finished last. But we had no, the my, most my hits point, my point being the blow, the blow. No, my point being very clearly, it's not the offense's fault. And very clearly, these aren't guys that are just trying to ship out that this they, blow it up, get rid of the, one of the best offenses in the game. No, you focus on pitching, which very clearly is the issue. And they've already acquired guys between help and, and Pavetta. See what you have there and move forward and try to win. So don't get I to just, number five. I, You're morphing into number five. No, I know. I'm just saying the thing that kills me is when people say blow it up. But anyway. Well, but um, so, but when you talk about being a cheap fit, fit franchise, you're saying don't be a cheap franchise. And a lot of people say that. And, and I mean, it really, we could talk about everything else. It begins and ends with the Mookie Betts conversation, particularly when we watch Mookie Betts, right? Yeah. It begins and ends with that. Like, yeah. we heard A-Rod, like, David Ortiz, like, how could the Boston Red Sox ever trade at Mookie Betts? And first of all, it was like, there were so many things like, or I, A-Rod, God bless him. I mean, it's a whole nother <laughs> podcast, but, but Ortiz, I love like Ortiz saying, I, I'm not, the, I wasn't the GM. I said this to someone today, David Ortiz, God love him. Like one of my favorite guys to cover everything else. He would have been the worst GM in the history oh. of baseball. Terrible. I, Steve, if you could have heard when we'd be sitting around like just wrapping around his locker and some of the things that he would like propose, it was like, um, okay, sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. I guess. I just, I just tweeted this out. I said to Ian Brown, I said, there would be one thing on David Ortiz's GM resume. I wanted to sign Nelson Cruz in 2014 instead of Grady Sizemore. <laughs> But he also wants to just sign all his boys. And oh, yeah. breaking, breaking news, a lot of David Ortiz's boys are some of the most expensive players oh, in listen, Major League Baseball. Johnny Cueto would have had the biggest contract in the history Oof. of pitchers. <laughs> yeah. so, Not even close. So anyway, the Mookie Betts thing, it's just it, – it's tough, man, like because you're literally going to look back and say you traded a Hall of Fame. Like I believe that. I believe you're going to say you traded a Hall of Fame. I'm not going to go I, down I think the, we can um, – it's right? very simple to already even say that. Yeah. yeah. I think you can already say that. I'm not, I'm not going to say the whole Babe Ruth thing. That's, you know, that's sort of that's silly. stupid. That's, that's head, headline grabbing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, okay, well you tell me like what, 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 what was the version of Alex Verdugo in, in Jeter Downs that you got back in the big Babe Ruth trade? The, the dancer in no, no, Nanette. I mean, it, it's, it, 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 <laughs> the compare whole, their wars. The whole idea. Yes. The whole idea. <laughs> The whole there was a pandemic wrapped up in there somewhere too, but the whole mm. idea was, in that case, it was to finance a play. In this case, it was to hopefully make the team better so that you don't have last place finishes, you know, in back to back, and then back to back. You know, that it's whatever. It's just no. I'm just sticking with Mookie real quick though. If you're a Red Sox fan, what you really should be focusing on instead of wasting all this air on uh, ownership, this, that, the other thing, we already had those. We already talked about that. I feel like we already got through the whole like, oh my God, screw the ownership. I, I can't keep doing that. Uh, stick on Mookie Betts didn't want to be here. Now I'm not saying uh, that's the case, but it makes you sleep. It lets you sleep at night to to remind yourself again, that you, if you got had to pro- put up the Steve Perot poll and you're you're ahead. Yeah. Like, what what percentage believes that he didn't want to stay here? 
Yeah, 40. Four. <laughs> nice solid 40. Yeah, wow. clean 40. I think 60, 40, yes. But a lot of things but factor so, into if, it, obviously. If they, come in, if they come in and they offer him $400 million last year, 12 years, $400 million. So is, he, is he here? Pre-pandemic, he's, he's thinking about where he, what he could get elsewhere as well. Ooh, really? I think so. Well, it's, I, we don't know. That, that's the thing. I think we can all, you know, throw our hypotheses out there. But, like, we really don't know, especially with Mookie, who gives away zero secrets. He does not say a single thing. In these post-game interviews, he's great at talking but also not talking. Like, he's not yeah. really saying much of, of value. One of my – it was, like, actually, what, actually one of the last interviews I did with him. And I asked him, you know, the whole thing about what – how did you come across this business mentality, right? This whole, like, idea, I'm going to be a businessman. And he was great talking about his mother and his upbringing and everything else. And I came away from that and, like, I actually believed it. Like, I actually believed, like, this is – he dug in, he dug in, he dug in. He's a businessman. Now, I will say this, and I do believe that that was the – the priority when it came to Mookie Betts. But here's the other thing, is that once you get out of Boston, this was the John Lester thing, example I always use. The world does not, you do not fall off a cliff when you get outside Boston. And once players understand that, then it becomes a lot easier to live that life outside Boston. Now, John Lester wanted to stay in Boston. Like he, this is, he, this is all he knew. Very clearly, he, he yeah. said as much. Right. But, Steve, when he went to even a crap hole as big as Oakland, he's like, hey, this isn't so bad. This isn't bad. I can live life. And wait a second. And so when he got to free agency and the Red Sox tried to loop back and sign him, he's like, well, no, I mean, I don't mind moving to somewhere else in Chicago and learning new traffic patterns and everything else. It's the same thing with Mookie. Like, Mookie, even though it was a short time, he got the taste of L.A., he got the taste of a new team. By the way, probably a younger vibe of a team than he came from in the Red Sox, oh, right? A happier team, more personalities. Oh. The, the, the funniest thing, Bradfoe, off of that, off of the L.A. factor, is that something we need to uh, factor in as Red Sox fans is, hypothetically speaking, Mookie does not sign that contract before the season starts. And he plays that season that he just had with the L.A. Dodgers. And he sees... What happens with the Boston Red Sox? On what planet was he going to re-sign with this team? That's another thing that we're just not even playing in here. That like, Would he, first off, would he want to be back here? And also, would he want to be back here after what just happened this season? Like, what, what, I, just, I try to picture point. him actually re-signing, and I'm like, no way! Of course he would have stayed in Los Angeles. He's having more fun right now than he ever has in his whole career. I don't career. think you understand. Nick Pavetta's figured it out. I yeah, imagine that would be with the selling point. Look at this Tannehill kid. He's got gas. Yeah, I, I just – it's, it's, you know it's insane. You, if, you, if you look at it that way, it really makes it go, oh, okay, no, he, was, he wouldn't. It's a great way to look at it, by the way. Excellent job. It'd basically be like, you know, you would have a, a – the Red Sox pitch would be the equivalent of like 25 Kelly Olynyk's. Uh, to the to the Kevin Durant wooing in the Hamptons. Seriously, it would just be all like the nostalgia stuff. Remember 2018? <laughs> Remember those parades? That, that, that was awesome. That, yeah, it would be one of those like that was cool, wasn't it? Huh? Because it's yeah. not happening this year. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it, yeah. He's like he's in even before like he knew 
his teammates, even before he knew how good they were, even before he knew about the World Series. Like everyone knew this was a great place for him. Everyone knew mm. L.A. was going to be a great place for him. It was a great spot. And one of the things I also find funny, um, Hotler Famer Joe Kelly was on this podcast when we were doing quarantine with the, with the Kellys throughout the pandemic um, because no one else would come on the podcast. Um, but <laughs> – he he said he did give the description of remember Mookie gave the speech in spring training. Yeah, remember yeah, yeah. like like he said he's like it was he basically said it was cringeworthy. He's like he looked over <laughs> at David Price and like he's like yeah, uh, um, okay. But here's the thing, like I give Mookie credit for that. Like I bet he could give a much better Rudy on the stool speech right now than he did back in spring training. Right. Also, he yeah, with him, something that we mentioned on the podcast is it's so important, your first impression in the big leagues, that can shape you more than anything in your entire career. And when he came up, John Farrell, Mr. Strict, Mr. Business, and he and Farrell, by the way, I kind of knew then, but the longer we go from him being the manager, the more players that are like, I did not enjoy him being the manager. Like it's and they're openly saying it on our show and elsewhere about how they did not have but, fun when but John here's Carroll the thing. was Okay, team. so as uh, because I was reminded, because someone took a video of his lobster boat coming into Gloucester Harbor just the other day, <laughs> yeah. um, I've been thinking about that. And so players have come on your show to say this, right? Yes, that they that it was just play- uncomfortable. Who are the players since they've come on your show? Uh, let's see. Travis Shaw was the first one. Travis Shaw was the first one to mention it. Which is obvious. I mean, this uh, is like McConaughey replacing Travis Shaw. That, that was, it was over then. Go ahead. The, the biggest, but then the, the Travis Shaw made it the most obvious. He probably gave us the most obvious quotes. But then the thing I love were then the current players on the Red Sox. I mean, like Brock and, and other, I'm trying to think, like Matt Barnes. Yeah, uh, so, here, so here's the weird thing. is that, And this comes back to when the whole manager, like why Cora was the perfect guy. Is yeah. that in 2013, like Farrell bizarrely was the perfect guy, right? And so a lot of these guys that we're talking about, like they weren't in the equation. What you had on that 2013 team was a bunch of 30-year-olds, 30-somethings. And one of the, it's, it's the oldest, what is, would that be the oldest World Series champion team they've had of these four? I bet, yeah, probably. It, I mean, yeah, probably. But think about it. It's like, oh, but Pedroia was obviously still rolling. And Farrell was the guy who stuffed him in a trash can when he was a pitching coach. You know, there and you have a lot of these guys, a Lester, like he obviously he meant a lot to him. So you had that turnover, and then it was a terrible fit. It was oil and water, like you point out. And then that's why Cora is become so important. Like that's in yeah. yeah. So anyway. No, he's but I'm just saying with Mookie in in that scenario, um, I think he came up with that like, okay, so here at here at Fenway, we go to work. This is a job. This isn't, we don't have a lot of fun. And I understand that Cora changed the whole vibe and he was only there for two seasons before getting fired. But uh, obviously, you know, with the circumstances, not because of, of him as a manager, but um, yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. And I just, it, my gut keeps telling me that regardless of if he signed before the season, he, he's staying with the Dodgers. Like it, uh, after what just happened yeah, and after yeah. what's happening, there's no way he would go it's, anywhere. You know, it's, it, it's a great point. And I might rip it off and write something, but I don't know. It's I, I, would, I would be honored. I would be it's, honored it's, as it's a, a two-time guest. It's a great point. And, you know, you look at him now, you look at him now and like, I understand he had fun, like in Hill, you know, with the Red Sox and had the moments of, celebration everything he did everything with the red sox that's another part of it. it's like i've done everything here yeah and 
it just looks like it just looks like a different guy now, doesn't it? Yeah, like it just looks like a different look. The guy. most overused, the most, and everyone, when everyone uses this, uh, you know, metaphor, it's, it's, oh, really cute. Oh, it's like, it's like, you know, when your, your ex is with the new hot, like, okay, everyone, literally everyone is saying that. It's like, okay, nice point. You want, you want a like, you want a retweet, like literally everyone is saying that, but it is true. Yeah. It is true. It is kind of like the ex is with the hot new cool thing. And um, it, he, ha- he really is having so much fun. I think that's what sucks is that he is genuinely having an absolute blast on that team. And why shouldn't he? Dave Roberts is a great guy for the, the players they have in that, on that club. And they're all kind of around the same age, right? I feel like they're all like, yeah, late that, 20s. And that, and that's another thing. It, it, it definitely feels that way, but you know yeah. what? The Red Sox will have enthusiasm when Jairo Munez, um, becomes, oh, he's going to take over. Yeah. the yeah, next yeah. Randy Arena, whatever his Gyro name is. Gyro the, the shirts are. Yeah. flying off the shelves <laughs> but the last thing on Mookie right. last thing real last thing real quick on Mookie is as a fan the thing that I think hurts the most is that when they traded my other favorite players Nomar um Manny uh Lester well Lester you know not not coming back it's there wasn't uh that much time left in their primes so it was like there was a very clear like okay they're going elsewhere but I'm probably only going to be in pain for like, what, three years or something like that. That's what sucks with Mookie is he's 28 years old. And now we're just going to have to be reminded of this every time the Dodgers make the playoffs, which they do every single year. All right. Number two, I want you to look into the camera and I want you to plea, give your plea to Trevor Bauer, give your recruiting pitch to Trevor Bauer. We did this on the radio when Gordon Hayward was driving around Boston. It worked very effectively. We talked about great Brazilian food, the Freedom Trail, and uh, and maybe the uh, the Observation Tower and the John Hancock Building. I don't know, but I want you to look in the camera because Trevor Bauer is an avid uh, viewer and listener of this podcast. And I want you to please give your best play because it might mean the difference of either him coming here or not coming here. Go ahead. I'm going to lead off with uh, a reason why he won't come here, and that's that a lot of people here won't like him. A lot of people here won't like him. So, Trevor, you can prove these people wrong by showing up, performing, and maybe not being as weird as we all know you are. He is a unique cat. He is somebody I don't think we can compare to anybody else, especially in this day and age of social media, and that that will either play or it will fail in Boston, but – we're all here for the ride. We are here for a wild ride. That's what Trevor Bauer brings. The biggest concern, Brad Foe, is he wants to sign one-year deals. Allegedly, that's because he bet one of his friends in college that when he's in the bigs, he would only sign one-year deals. Now, that is not a confirmed report, but that's what I hear, and that's insane if that's the case. So, you know, we started this. This whole conversation was bringing, making people in Boston interested in baseball, not only interested, passionate about it, jumping on board, passing the Patriots, Bruins, and Celtics, and everything else. Would, would you agree that Trevor Bauer is the guy? Like, if you're going to go out, the, the freezing class is pretty weak, but you have George Springer, you have Marcelo Asuna. Um, would Trevor Bauer, because this is a big piece of the puzzle, would he be the guy that people say, if I could go the game, I want the Trevor Bauer ticket? I want to hear weird- the Trevor Bauer interview. In a weird way, Trevor Bauer is a stay-at-home guy because of all the stuff he does on the mound, all the stuff you're going to see on the replays, all the stuff that you're going to see in the post-game presser that you're not going to see at the game. But so, okay, so let me – I phrase that poorly. 
is it more important? It's more important off the field. Cause let's be honest, like, you know, everyone, a baseball player gets on the mound other than throwing the ball in the stands, other than, uh, you know, a thing here and there. It's more about like, this is what we talk about. Cam Newton, best interview in Boston. Mm. Trevor Bauer, you don't know what he's going to say. Is it worth, is he going to be the guy that shakes things up and makes people pay attention to this team? Uh, for multiple reasons, he would be because of his talent and because of the unpredictability of what he could do on the mound. And, and not even just saying, like, how the game goes. You literally never know what he's going to do out there. My issue with Trevor Bauer, and this has been back to when he cut his damn thumb on a drone during the playoffs, which is like, what are you doing? I, I was so furious about that, and I had, I had no horse in the race. I was just like, for baseball, what are you doing? Well, well, well you're also like, who is this guy who just cut his hand on the drone? Like, it's like enormous game yeah. in uh, Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. It it's was. Like this guy, he cut his – anyway, I just – I like when, when stuff happens, when viral stuff happens. And it's not – he does this thing that I hate, and a lot of people on the Twitter machine do this. You try to go vi. Don't. It is it, unbecoming. It's extremely unbecoming, and he does it all the time. It's all me, 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 I, and it's premeditated, and I hate that with a burning passion. But come pitch for the Red Sox because he's really good, and <laughs> they could definitely use that. Well, so he does the whole thing about, oh, my goodness, I'm uh, Boston. Uh, hey, here's my plane ticket. Oh, you know, God. Or, and here's, hey, New York. Or, or the, here, the Dodgers. It looked like you could use a starter. And, hey, at Angels, you could use an ace. Right. I'm, so, I'm in so, L.A. It's like, stop. So, like, yeah, I mean, that was a case of that should have been his lesson, right? You, you think this is a good idea? It just got old. It got old, like, right after the Really Boston fast. Thing. It got old, like, I, the minute you did the next team, it got old. But he's, I, I don't know, I go back and forth on that part of it because he's, what, 30 years old? I think he's 30, going to be 31. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, this is probably the last time he's going to be looked at as, like, the crown jewel of a free agent class. And I, maybe if he's going to be doing these one-year deals, then maybe it happen, happens again next offseason. But um, it's just so, I don't know, it's, you're trying too hard, man. You're doing too much. He is hashtag doing too much. All is, the time. But is he, is he liked, because of everything you said, in Boston, is he liked or is he like people rolling their eyes? Because here's the thing, Steve, is that people, the Red Sox, if you're Red Sox, you aren't getting the benefit of the doubt for your wackiness like you are if you played for the Patriots or even the Celtics. Yes. You aren't. Like you're, you're viewed as, oh, you're like – you know, this is like the Red Sox stink or the Red Sox, there must be like something what wrong. happened to this team. Yeah. Or, or you said something, you know, you, you said something that someone took one sentence of your press conference and, and there you go, you're off. So, you know, do people actually embrace him? I guess my best example of it is my dad would hate the character that is Trevor Bauer. The listeners of Section 10 would love it. Because okay. like I, when, when I'm, when I tweet anything negative about him, they're like, oh, Oh, you being an old head. You you be stuck. Well, you don't want baseball to be fun again, and I hate that. It's like, where's our line, by the way? And I feel like you're a perfect person to ask for this. Like, when when we have bad flips, when we have bruised our Gatterall, when he throws his glove, throws his hat after a catch that robbed a home run that he just was gonna give up in the seventh inning. Where's the line? Like, at what point are we like? You but who, com who like complained fools. about? But who complained about it? A 28 year old. Like a, but it's like, – I just don't – I didn't complain about – like any sane human being wouldn't have complained about that. 
I thought it was ridiculous, and I consider myself sane. <laughs> I just, you, you, I, thought, you thought the, Gru- the Gratterall thing was ridiculous? What, have you ever seen anyone throw their hat and glove in the seventh inning? After, it's more that it's just, it's, it's just like preposterous. Like, what are you doing? I just you almost gave up Billy a home Chappell run. Billy on TV said clear mechanism. He's talking to the hitters the entire movie. But he's acting like they just won the World Series. It was just weird. I, I thought it was odd. But you're, oh, you're in the boat. No, like a lot of the hippie cool people are now. Of like, <laughs> I don't think oh, you understand. Oh, make, my, the, make it fun again. We gotta make it fun again. It's my, like yeah, my brother isn't like this. It's like this. So, um, <laughs> it's it's flat for a reason. That's the cool. That's the I cool mean, I got my longboard. I'm gonna I take it out right after this. Um, listen, it's you know that, but that's what I'm talking about with Bauer. Like we don't know. Like we don't know what the line is. Like we don't. It's not like here's here's the funny thing. The Red Sox, which where has gone wrong with the Red Sox sometimes, is that when they brought in guys and they told us, they've told us, you're going to love this guy. This guy's going to give his personality. You know who I heard this about? Julio Lugo, Coco Crisp, Pablo Sandoval. Pablo's the first one that came to mind. Yeah. Pablo, like they still have a warehouse, like full, warehouse <laughs> full of panda hats. You know, and, and so like when they're telling us, when they tell us you're going to love this guy, it's, it flips. It, it never, and Coco was a perfect example of this. Like Coco yeah. in spring training was, oh, my goodness, this is a gift. This guy, he has a story for every interview. He's a boxer. He likes reality shows, this and that. Like a week into the season, like he got some criticism. Shut it down. Shut it down. Carl Crawford, same thing. People were saying, oh, you're going to love Carl Crawford. We are? I'm really? convinced Kyle Crawford still talks trash about the Red Sox. It's like, dude, you haven't played in the team uh, in like 80 years. Dude, I, I, um, that was ridiculous. That Crawford, that's, that's a whole nother show. But yeah, I think with Bauer, it's just, if you're a traditional baseball fan, you're in Boston, you've been watching this team forever. You're not going to love the character that is Trevor Bauer. I don't even love him. I'm 30. I think he's doing too much all the time. But the younger audience does love that. They do love that he's chirping back at people on Twitter and that the video – and he has a whole production team now, so it's a little oh, more yeah. official. But oh, yeah, yeah, the Acuna, you know, Acuna tweets out um, whatever it was. It was the gif of basically just like, you guys are like, you guys are out, you're knocked out with the Reds. And then Bauer, to his credit, which I can't fully blame him for because he dominated, tweeted out all the, the times that he blew a pitch past Ronald Acuna. So it's like I – I'm but okay here, with that stuff. I, I'll, I, I'll give him credit because I said this. Like, think about how many NFL players have their own production teams, yeah. have their own social media teams. It's becoming how, way more common. Well, how many, how many baseball players do? Uh, I couldn't even – outside of Bauer, I couldn't even tell you. Right? Yeah. No, he's – I'm telling you, he's – I don't want to say he's a trailblazer because, like, a lot of, like, social media people have tried to, you know, have their own groups and do all this stuff, and I, and that's – a separate thing and play and players tribune and all that stuff. So it's not like he's the first like player to also do off the field podcasts and stuff. But um, the difference with Bauer with his like momentum team or whatever it's called is that he's almost, and this would be a, this, I can guarantee you, this would be a sports talk radio segment. Does he care more about his off the field social <laughs> medias than he does about pitching for the Red Sox? Cause that would be like the first thing that people talk. About. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. It's a very hip crowd over there. All right. <laughs> Uh, uh, number three. Uh, number three, it's pretty simple. Just bring back John Lester. Just do it. That's, yeah. So, I, I think who would be upset about that? Nobody. Nobody. So just do it. Yeah. Just, that was I mean, this is – and you know what? Like, this is the thing is that ownership says 
we're not going to get involved in the managerial search. We're not going to get involved with this. We're not going to get involved. You know what they are going to get involved in? My prediction is John Lester. Yeah. John Lester. Because, like, they couldn't, as they took them four years to admit, they could not have messed that up more. I Absolutely mean, terrible. I lived through that, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, I can't tell you, like, like how bad they messed it up. And obviously it started, like, this guy, there was never a, more of a case of a guy you say, just give him a slightly fair offer, and he's not going anywhere. He's not. He's going to take it. He's going to take it. Oh, like, <laughs> it, was the, it was the biggest, like, layup since Jason Bay before they failed his physical. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Especially when he gave you every reason – and maybe players would learn from this. And I thought it was – I was stunned when Martin Perez was, like, telling us, like, F the Yankees, this, that, the other thing. I only want to be in Boston. I'm like, you do know that it's a team option. Anyway, I, I, love, <laughs> I, love, Perez. I love Perez. But it's like you want to get a little leverage here, right? You want to get some of that. How did that um, come about, by the way? That seemed like a like, – How did the interview come about? Yeah. Uh, I had – well, we just I, – I was talking with Perez during the season, and he said he would do it. And then he gave me the info to his um, agent. How does that come Felix. about? How, how does that go up? Just yeah, the DMs. Like, you, did, you just DM oh, back and oh, forth. Oh, really? Like, oh, I, yeah. I, I, oh, no. It's, yeah, it's just – I mean, I don't really – I think for Section 10, Jared would be the first to tell you that he's texting and talking to a lot of players because um, he loves saying that. But I don't – that's never really been my thing. I don't, I don't necessarily feel like it's needed unless I feel like I've been able to uh, build a relationship with somebody that's been on the show a couple of times, like Brock is a great example. Mm -hmm. But Perez immediately embraced what we were doing. And was like retweeting the show, and I'm like, oh, this guy, this guy's awesome. Like this guy gets it and actually takes accountability uh, for. I don't want to say you need to take accountability for a bad start, but like he's so directly talking to the fans more than basically any Red Sox player I can remember. And I kind of wish more of the guys did that. And we've talked about this on this team. Barely any of them tweet, no. which is like asking for nothing. No, so. it was. I mean, and we talked about it's. The fact is that they, they had this opportunity with those suites set up and, and doing a ton of that different stuff. That could have been money. That uh, would have been And, and all we had was like Chavis walking in or Colin McHugh walking in. And, and it's just, it, I mean, it, it is, Steve, what it comes down to is that it's just, they aren't bad guys, but it's just not them. And, when, and I've said this a million times now. When I walked into that clubhouse in spring training, you knew – that there was going to probably be an issue in terms of the personality and the energy, more the yeah. energy than the personality. And as it turned out, the having energy probably meant more this year than any other year, because you, that's all you had. That's like, it. That's all you I mean, had to go off of. We could look, we, there was no reason to go to Fenway, like going to Fenway. Like I parked my car at gate D a minute before the game. I get my box lunch. I walk up to the press box. I there was no reason for me to be there. But the one yeah. thing that you can see are the two dugouts. And I can tell you that it was not exactly like disco ball central all over the Red Sox side. You're probably noticing more often than not, vast majority of the time, the opposing dugouts having way more fun yeah. than whatever's going. Yeah. It's you can hear close. it. You can hear it. I'm just, I thought it was funny towards the end of the year when they're doing the whole, like, you know, yeah. cart thing. Well, it's like, you know, okay. once, once you get Christian Arroyo in the mix, all bets are off. But it's it's <laughs> – you know, but it's, you know, but that was, that was like a very real thing. And the players will deny it. Like I brought it up with Brian Johnson. You know, they're like they're in the middle of it. So I don't even think they see it, but mm. like you take. It's, also, it's, it doesn't benefit them that much to be like, yeah, the chemistry sucks. 
Because yeah, then, well, then their boys are going to text them like, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, but, but what are you going to do? I think, what are you going to do? You can't tell Mitch Moreland to be someone. You can't tell Bogars to be someone. You can't. If they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. But you have to find more guys like Verdugo, my guy Gyro, um, you know, maybe like a guy like Christian Arroyo, like maybe a guy like Bow. I don't know. We, we, we were so upset at Arroyo just because it's like you want to, you know, try to get a better dra- draft pick, and he was just tearing the cover off the ball. But I did like the mic'd up stuff. I'll give Nesson credit. I don't ever really say that line. I'll give Nesson credit. But they, what they did with miking up the players was an awesome idea. And it got some really cool sound bites. Verdugo was really good at it. I thought Martin Perez was hilarious. Um, some of the time it was okay. They, they, okay, okay. Now keep going. Yeah, I know. I know that was it. But like, how many guys did they actually mic up? I don't remember many. Yeah. Well, and and you would agree if we if we're gonna di- disagree on Gratterall, can we maybe agree on how fraudulent it is to mic up guys and interview guys during the postseason? Terrible. I was stunned. First off, that broadcast team won't name exactly who was in the booth. Uh, one of them, I, I think. No, terrible. I mean, no, I mean, I, I've said this. I've said this. It's like, I, Jess Mendoza is a very nice person. Like, Absolutely. everyone says that, right? I don't think she's good at it. No, but like, to me, whether you're a man or female, it doesn't make a difference. If you're just stating the obvious, like, you're, like, you're stating the obvious, like, that's where you lose me. Smoltz, like, it's awesome. Smoltz, to me, yeah. is awesome. But he'll give me something that I didn't know. And it's like, I want to leave a broadcast with like, ah, damn, that's a good point. I don't think I've ever said that with Jeff Mendoza. But really quick, though, on the, the mic'd up. The Loriano, exactly. I was stunned that they were doing that. This is not the time to get cute. Do not get cute during And it was, was it a, uh, a, I don't know if it was a do or die game, but I think it was game one of a best of three in the playoffs. It's like the wild card round. They, the A's needed that game. They needed to win. And it's like the fifth inning. And I'm like, wait, oh, I thought it would because, I thought it was a dugout. I thought it was a dugout thing. I did not know they were going to Loriano in center field. And then, of course, he's going to say something or there's going to be some slip-up. And he has an F-bomb, and that's on national TV. And it's like, really? Was this worth it? They also well, just go too far, and there's, there's empty spaces of air, yeah. and it's just awkward. And it's like, so, so Loriano, so, like, what, what did you just do there? What was that, huh? And, and it's just, oh, it's so cringy. I can't do it. And, and if you, as I wrote, like, if you have to do that in the postseason, then you it's really are in trouble. I mean, like, if you can't have a postseason game, can you imagine? I mean, this is the post. That was a postseason. The World Series is the postseason. Can you yeah. imagine doing this during the World Series? <laughs> it, like, the, the whole idea is the postseason is going supposed to carry the excitement, and you you have to rely on Jess Mendoza asking Ramon Laureano questions, and then. Really, like, after he drops the F-bomb, like, like there was a – hey, hey, you know, you can have it some fun so, with it. Right? Exactly. They waited. There was a long pause. I'm like, what are you going to say now? And I have, like, I have, like, a pillow over my face. I'm like, I don't want to watch this. But it was just so awkward because they didn't acknowledge the elephant in the room. And then it was just like, so, you know, big game against the Astros, right? And, again, don't ask stuff where it's just the most obvious answer ever is right around the corner. And it's unnecessary. You don't need to be doing – these live interviews. To your point, though, the one uh, thing I would combat that with is ESPN doesn't feel like they need to do that. I think they just saw brief success in spring training. They're like, oh, the people love that. Let's feed them that again in the postseason. It's like, no, you guys need to be able to draw the line between a cute thing in spring training and a do-or-die playoff game. Completely different. Well, yeah, and I'll give you an example. Like, they they must do social media. Like, for instance, the All-Star game. What they would do in the All-Star game is that when the players came out, they would take him into a room that said 
social media room. And like, here, you are going to now do social media, social media in our stuff. social media room because we're told social media is important. You know, so it's like, this is whatever. It's so, so forced. It, it's so forced. So uh, number four is the Coke bottles. I don't even, like, this is the one I'm like, come on. No, I, this is, I, I have been talking, I talk about the Coke bottles as much as I possibly can because um, I'm a nostalgic human, Bradfoe, and it brings me back to when I was a kid going to Fenway. I loved it. First time I saw them, I was like, that's awesome. They have enormous Coke bottles on the damn green monster. Uh, so yeah, just bring those back. We have a lot of people, honestly, anytime we talk about the Coke bottles or I tweet about the Coke bottles, people go, people love the damn Coke bottles. So just bring them back. And it's an easy, they already have a deal with Coca-Cola. It's not like they, they still have a big ass Coca-Cola sign. You know, who, Fenway, so. you know who else they have a deal with? Lord Hobo. Uh, exactly. That's that's great I advertising. Mean, and you're a big Diet Coke guy, right? No, I haven't had a oh, Diet no? Coke. I haven't had Diet Coke in over uh, over two and a half years. What's your go-to then? I feel like every journalist has their thing they grab. Oh, the well, that was that time. was the that was the problem. That was the problem. <laughs> it was it was a serious problem. I mean, it was like it's so like it. Yes, jur- journalists. Yeah, journalists. Yeah, what, in quotes. This is quotes. what they do. They uh, they go. And like, it's like, it's a nonstop wave of, of just diet soda, diet soda, diet soda. Oh, the ice cream machine's on until the third inning. Every day, ice cream machine. So thanks to my great friends at Awaken 180, I was told that the demon issues that there are come with Diet Coke. So my thing is, believe it or not, it's, it's, it's not even worth saying. It's, I, I, hate, I never drank water, and I put like water flavoring in everything. Like everything, mm. vodka, tea, water, everything and stevia my man that's where it's at but that's little known fact and and um i think we're gonna have steve pierce on the podcast um maybe a great pod tomorrow or i probably like try to drop it whenever he won the mvp but he um but that 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 world series game the 18 inning game was um what everyone will remember nathan evaldi and blah 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 what i remember is the guy in the back of the press box at dodger stadium told me that they went through 800 Dodger dogs, like 800 oh. Dodger dogs. And they're in these awful metal pants, like oh, that no. So think about how much Diet Coke and Dodger dogs, how, how many bodies were like already destroyed bodies were further destroyed that night. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> I don't see, I'm a big Diet Coke guy, so I don't want to hear any of this, honestly. I'm going to act like this didn't uh, even happen. I'm sorry to do that. I mean, I got, how old are you? Uh, 30. Yeah, so I was I was right there. I was right there. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the good thing is is that your uh, your body won't decay. It'll be mummified. You'll be very that's true. Well and, and yeah, that's exactly what I'm what I'm going for. So <laughs> that, that makes perfect sense. Uh, by the way, as a quick aside, before we get to number five and wrap it up, um, what is your take on on these writers traveling to these games? Um, I haven't really thought about it. What okay, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, because because I basically asked so I can answer it. Yeah, a cla- that's a classic move, by the way. It's the dumbest thing of all time. It's the <laughs> yeah. dumbest thing of all time. It's so dumb. It's like you have people get laid off and furloughed, and people like who can't travel to states, and you're spending thousands of dollars for someone to travel and say, "I'm going to sit in the press box." and do exactly what I can do from my living room, get no access at all, but I'm going to tweet that I'm here, and that'll be worth it. I'm not naming names, 
But, you know, this just, it's, you know. It's very clear. I See, I haven't even thought about this, and I feel like a lot of times the topics that we talk about over the years, we are pretty aligned in terms of like, oh, what about this nonsense? I haven't even really thought of this, honestly. Yeah, it, It's well, getting to you. I can tell, I can tell you. Yeah, off, well, I think it's so dumb. I mean, I think it's so dumb. And it's, it's, it's borderline um, irresponsible. Too. Tone deaf is a great one. I feel like if you say, oh, it's tone deaf is what well, it is. Well, I mean, think about it. It's, it's like, okay, hey, all right. Someone, a writer comes to me and says, I want to go cover this game. All right. I, I write for the Red Sox, and I want to go cover the World Series. All right. You tell me why, why we should pay $10,000 for you to do that. Mm. I'm all ears. You're not going to get a legitimate. No, yeah, you're not. No, you're not going to get any answer. <laughs> yeah, none. Anyway, it's all that, about the appearance. It's all about the appearance. Oh, I'm here. I'm at the but, game. But that is not going to bring. That is not to to come back full circle to our conversation. That does nothing for the game. I'll tell you what. No, it's me, self-centered. Me sitting there, like like today, I did a post on that the Dodgers are undefeated since Joe Kelly's son Knox has been giving pregame pep talks, right? <laughs> Like mm. that is ten times more valuable than somebody somebody going to a game, like in paying. There is, the best part here is I can tell there is a specific person that's been grinding <laughs> your gears that does this. I'm gonna find out who. I don't know who it is. Well, there's only one person. There's only one organization traveling anywhere. Oh, so, that's true. All right, um, I'm gonna find it. Yeah. So, all right. So, last one because I know last I'm, one. I'm sorry to take you away from the game. But oh one. no, it's it's fine. I'm sure the Rays are probably losing by now. Um, stick to a plan, and, and I don't I don't this is, I don't have some big monologue for this, but it's just if we're gonna do the whole get under the luxury tax thing, rebuild the farm system, let Heim do what Heim does, let him rebuild this team, then let him rebuild the team. I feel like I'm not asking for much, but like, well, how does that get interest for the Boston Red Sox next year? Like this, you can't put you can, but I'm saying you can still add the- pieces while while adding to the farm. Okay. He's already and, and last year what Hyen did is especially from Philly what he got from Philly is kind of I'm kind of stunned it I mean granted I didn't think that Workman and Embry were going to be awful they were so terrible it was uh, a clip from their Philly CSN Philly or whatever where the guy was like don't even come back like I think they were in Miami like keep you know keep uh, Workman down in Miami don't even come back on the team plane oh, but um bad. yeah I just I just want them to stick to a plan and and while doing that, you can still, I mean, what? You have financial flexibility now, so you should be able to add Fly pitchers. the financial flexibility flag. Very it's proud. the worst. I, I hate it, but it's like I'm more just saying, if you're going to tell me that, then actually use the money. Actually spend the money. Yeah. Okay. So tell me. So in 2012, they trade another guy who's supposed to be on the podcast this week, um, your good friend Josh Beckett. So, um, <laughs> I would love to have it. You've had Beckett, right? I, we'd love yeah. to have him on section 10. I yeah. He's, he's, he's supposed to go. He's, he said he's coming on today, probably tomorrow, maybe the next day, who knows, but he, <laughs> he actually enjoyed doing it the other, like in May, like he enjoyed doing it. Which, which seems like a guy that could be like hit or miss for a podcast. Josh Beckett. Once he got going, it was, it was, yeah, no, he was pretty good. I, and like I said, the biggest thing is with most people in podcasts, once they just do it, they're like, oh, yeah, I like talking about And they're stuff. like, that's it? I'm literally at my home just talking. That's, yeah. that's it. And so, um, but when they traded back in that deal, they got the financial, they fl- were flying the financial flexibility flag then heading into 2013. And what did they do? It was like Ben, Trun- ben Sherrington gets out the sad trombone of three-year deal for Shane Victorino. 
supposed three-year deal for Mike Napoli, uh, David Ross, one-year deal or two-year deal, Ryan Dempster, um, you know, these guys, and like, wait a second, I, I thought you were going to lunch with Josh Hamilton. What happened? And so that's how they spent the money. And that didn't and it, not, it work. But, well, it worked, but here, here's the problem, is that it took, for that team, Steve, it took halfway through the year for people really to buy into that team. And I'm not saying that, but that should be the lesson. Hey, it is what it is. But if you don't win, you're going to have no chance of reeling the people in. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's be real here. There is zero scenario in which the 2021 Red Sox on opening day have this rallying fan base. <laughs> That's not going to happen. This, this, you could bring in – you could bring Ted Williams back, get the frozen head. It, it's, there is no way that fans are going to be uh, in a great mood at the start of the season after Mookie Betts is still getting champagne off his body from winning the World Series. So, yeah, I, I think what you're saying, I get where you're coming from in terms of how do we get that 2018 vibe back. And it's, this month has been tough, man. All the anniversary, I, I just see all the things popping up on Instagram two years ago today. You know, they beat the Yankees two years ago today. It's, it's, bizarre, it's, how, it's bizarre that it was only two years. It's, it feels like five years. And, and that's what happens when not only when you get rid of Mookie, but when you have, you know, what would have been probably the worst record in team history. But, um, yeah, there's no scenario in which coming off of 2020, you're going to just get right back into, like, people being excited. But if you add pieces that, that make sense, that fit this team, and um, I just want to be back. Man. I, if we could ever have a real season next year, that would be – it would be hugely beneficial to the players, the guys like Verdugo, guys that actually will engage with the fans, um, and just for normalcy, just just to feel like okay, we're at Fenway Park, one of the best. And obviously, I'm biased, but like it's it's different at Fenway. It's different at Fenway than if you're playing at friggin' Toronto. So um, if they can get that vibe and that kind of feel, you know, home field advantage and home field vibe back, that would be great. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I think we took a step forward. I mean, like you said, like the, our goal is to do exactly the opposite of what you just said. Our goal is when opening day comes around, people are like, oh, my goodness, Cam Newton who? What? Like, what? who? The Celtics? What? what? Celtic? I, I don't know. Like, I am so excited for the baseball season, whether, I, whether it's passionately hating the Red Sox or passionately loving the Red Sox, but just not like apathy. Like, we can't have any more apathy. The real goal should be by June 1st, which really should be the official start of summer, even though it's not. It, re- it really is. But by June 1st, I want a lot of people to be like, hey, how about the Sox, huh? Wow. wow. I want some high-pitched wow. <laughs> if we can get some of those by June 1st, that's a huge win. Oh, baseball. I like this wow. game. Wow. It's really, it's really playing to my, my uh, non-shortened attention span. Yes. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's all of a sudden I, I, I enjoy sitting there for four hours. I've, I've been finding myself just sitting here at night with five hours to spare. Oh, it's Red Sox baseball. Red Sox baseball. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like what, what else? Like, that should be, that should be the slogan, right? Red Sox baseball. What else are you going to do for four what hours? What else are you going to do? The one <laughs> thing, and my dad kept bringing it up and I don't blame him is the, the seven thirty starts were such a uh, dumb idea. Uh, that was so stupid, and I think they already said they're not doing it again. But like, it was that the, made no sense. It was like you know, it falls under the the for smart people to do dumb things. It's sometimes incredible. Like when the Red Sox decided that it was a good idea because the sleep doctor said to travel the day of the game to go to Anaheim to Houston because the sleep doctor said that was the best thing to do, and the hats and the uniforms didn't show up by the time uh. the players were there. Like. That was smart people doing dumb things. 
this was a sm smart people doing like a thing that we could all said was really, really dumb. I, there are times, I don't know if you have this, but there are times where I'm like, wait, I, am I the stupid one here? Like I was looking around like, did, wait, does 7.30 make sense? And I shouldn't tweet about this right now. Like, <laughs> I feel like I might be missing something. No, it should have been 6.30. It should have been yeah. earlier. We're all at home. Anyway. I could tell you it wasn't for the radio broadcast. Um, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> uh, all right, Steve. Excellent, excellent work once again. It's like you I appreciate you, it. You've got a future in this podcasting business. And yeah, I'll, I'll, think business. About, I'll think about getting into it. <laughs>